Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of choice, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy David Jennings is our our guest today on the podcast. David is the CEO of Systemology. Um, And I think that's a really good place to start. Like, how did Systemology even happen? Yes, it started off with some software called System Hub. And I used to own a digital agency called Melbourne SEO Services. And we developed System Hub to scratch our own itch. So we needed a place to store mm-hmm. our systems and processes. And going back six years ago, there was nothing that we really felt that made it easy. Everything seemed to overcomplicate the process. And really, systems and processes at the best of times has a lot of friction for team members. Not everybody is a systems person. And for the small business owner, a lot of the solutions are way overcooked. And I believe that simplicity is key. So we designed it for ourselves first and we started to implement it. And then I realized, hey, I'm not the only problem who, sorry, I'm not the only person who has that problem around Mm -hmm. systems and processes. A few of our clients in the digital agency were exhibiting similar issues. And I said, well, hey, I've got this thing and invited them in to use that. We ran System Hub for a good number of years before Systemology was even an idea. And I realized just having software on its own was not enough, as in you can purchase some software to systemize your business and that isn't going to magically create a systems culture. There's a lot more to it. There's finding your systems champion and how do you help the team realize that this is a win for them and it's a win for the organization and get their buy-in and have all the right structures in place. And that really was the birth of systemology where I kind of said, there's a missing piece here between the software and building a systems culture. And I thought, hey, I've read the books, I've read the e-myth and traction and built to sell, and I've already drunk the Kool-Aid on systems and processes. (laughs) I know that they're important, but I still always felt there was a big gap with how to, as in, where do I start? I know systems are important, but what systems do I build first? How do I make it easy? How do I document them? What does version one look like? How do I get the team involved? And where do I go from there? And that's where I thought, you know what, I can solve this problem. And that was kind of the birth of systemology. And I kind of went to work on that process. And that's what systemology is today. The systems are only as good as the humans who use them. Yes. Kind of be enticing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I've found that more and more. I used to think it was all just about the systems. And I always say that systems are the most important asset because the people come and go, but the systems aren't going to execute themselves and you still need the people as well. So it's the the people and the process and 
when you get that right together, that's what creates the magical outcome. Yeah, yeah. And as you know, I read the book and um, then I read it again and then I read it again on a flight and uh, well and truly drunk the Kool-Aid at, at that point. We've been using your methodology for several, several years now. And for us, it was an absolute game changer to pull apart the workflows and who does what when from, we call it in, at our place, the workhouse. If you don't know how to do yeah. something you've been allocated, you you click the blue link and you're in systems hub and it's all there in interpretive dance or video or haiku or lines or whatever, screenshots. And for us, pulling that apart was a game changer and that's what your book just made so clearly um so so clear I'd be holding up the book but I yeah. I've I don't know how many of them I've owned I just give them away and I happen to know that one of our teammates has got it um overseas at the moment so absolute game changer so simple but so powerful yeah it's definitely one of those things where as I said, they're one of the most important assets in business and there's a cumulative effect that happens when you layer good systems on top of good systems, yet a lot of people just don't give them the respect that they deserve and they're scattered across different people's computers on different desktops in different folders and there's no one central location. And I I think just by putting a stake in the ground and saying, here's where we save everything, just that alone kind of gives it respect for the team and helps them to realize that these are important and it's our business IP on how we do things here. So I think that sends a really clear message to the business owner and the team. Yeah, yeah. Would you be able to talk us through that beautiful circle bottle? Clearly I don't have the book with me and I'll put your website up, but um, talk us through the steps because I that that was just amazing for me to see because my brain went straight to the solution. <laughs> just yes. missed three or four of the really, really relevant steps. And I think that explained why our systems were done but not always used. Yeah. So the seven steps of systemology helped to address some of the misconceptions and challenges around systemization. The first one is define, and it really helps someone identify the first 10 to 15 systems that they will document first. Answers that age-old question, okay, where do I start? So we use a tool called the Critical Client Flow to do that, and it's really about figuring out how the business makes money and how do we make sure that we capture the essential systems related to how we make money because most other problems in business can be solved once you start making money because you can hire a consultant or whomever to help. So that's where we start. Step number two is assign, and that's really just about figuring out where does the knowledge currently exist and understanding that things don't have to be perfect straight away. We can just capture what is current best practice. A lot of business owners, when they think about systemization, they want the best or they want to create it like it is in their head. But the best place to start is to go, well, who currently does it really, really well? Let's capture that. And that can be the baseline. That can be where we start. That helps to take the business owner out of the equation, which helps to get the ball rolling and get the team involved. So who currently knows how to do it? That's what we do in the assign stage. Then step number three is extract. That's all around how do we make it easy to then get the IP out of the heads of the team members? So we introduced the idea of a systems champion and it 
becomes a two-person job, as in the person who knows how to do the task. And then you might have a second person called the systems champion who then can work alongside that knowledgeable team member to document those how-tos and let the team member just do it and make the whole process easy. That's what step three is about, really making it easy for the team member. Step number four uh, is organized. That's just about thinking, where are we going to store this information? We obviously recommend System Hub. And it's also to do with the link between the how-tos and the project management side of things. So you mentioned Asana. We use Asana too. But it's getting very clear on um, who is doing what by when. That's what the project management does. And then System Hub is the how-to. So it's getting that structure clear. And then step number five is we we then want to get integrate. And, and it's about getting the team on board and helping them to understand that the systems will benefit them. So it's all about phrasing it so the team realizes, well, documenting our process helps you move up in our organization because you can delegate down. Documenting your process means that you can take a holiday and you can completely disconnect. And when you come back, things have still kept moving and you can hit the ground running. Again, every team member is a little bit different, but it's helping them to understand this is a win for them. Step number six is scale. That's all about identifying what systems will you need beyond the ones we identified in step number one. So it's recruitment and onboarding, it's some finance systems, it's some management systems. And at this point, we introduced the idea of minimum viable systems. It's like, what is if we applied the 80-20 to each department, what is the minimum number of systems in each department that get the most important things done to a certain standard? So that's that. And then the final step is optimize. And once you have a base level level of systems in place, you can then be more strategic where you focus your attention and you put a dashboard into place, you listen to what's going on in your business and every problem that surfaces, you recognize is a systems problem and you go to work on the systems. And it's those seven steps. I think what makes systemology unique from everything that came before it, all of the previous work has often been done around process improvement lean and six sigma and but that again it's in the name it pre-assumes you have a process that you're looking to improve whereas systemology is the step before that it's it's more of a yeah a process capture let's just capture what you currently done then that's base level and then process improvement actually happens a bit further down the line that's the optimization step and beyond yeah we talk about in our business and with our clients that systems are a forever task. Yeah. If you think that you're fully systemized, maybe look again into some of the darker, darker corners. And this terrifies some people, but it also relaxes others because it releases the expectation that it will at some point be perfect or whatever. Yeah. Um I love to, with that one, I love to think in terms of like McDonald's, Um, even though I say don't systemize like McDonald's, and that's a little bit of a pattern interrupt for some people. But part of that is, hey, McDonald's is a hamburger business that recruits 15-year-old kids and teaches them how to flip hamburgers. And there's a good chance you don't run a hamburger business. So let's not model everything that they do, but they get a lot right. And they've been systemizing for 60 years. It's not... A one and done. It's a 
a shift where you build a systems culture and this is how we do things here. So it's that constant and never-ending improvement of your systems and processes optimizing to the experience of your client. Like you want to make the whole experience greater for them. What about the myth that systems destroy creativity? I had that myth broken for me with my video production business. So I, as part of that digital agency I referenced early on, we had a sister company, Melbourne Video Production, which is a very creative business. And it'd be easy to say, oh, systems won't work in a video business because it's so creative Creative. (laughs) and the team's going to resist it and let's not put systems in place. But what I realized the opposite was true. I had this experience. I was in the car driving with Adrian at the time on a shoot because he needed an extra hand. And as we were driving, we spent the whole drive talking about, oh, did we pack the second battery? Did Uh we email the client to let them know not to wear a checkered shirt because it looks bad on camera? Did we pack the second lens? Have we got the script emailed to the client? Like all of the things that just should have been handled. And I had a real moment at the end of that. I said to Adrian, look, on our next shoot, we're going to have a pre-shoot checklist. And before we leave the studio, all of that's going to be handled. So we put that in place and six months later, I went on another shoot with him and I remember the experience was completely different. The discussion we had in the car was him getting really sort of clear on what shots he wanted to get and how he was going to get the best performance from the actors and he was framing out the storyboard in his head. And systems and processes, when it attacks the administrative side of business that just needs to happen, that's what creates the space for the creativity. And that's really where I got my big insight where I went, you know what? Systems don't remove creativity. They actually increase creativity because they create the space required for that creative thought. Yeah. Knowing that all the operational stuff is somewhat locked down and taken care of. Yes. Yeah. What about the myth that you can have all the systems in place, but people won't follow them? Yeah. A lot of that has to do with baggage that the business owner carries. And also uh, they may have tried to systemize in the past and maybe they got some pushback and they've gone, oh no, systems don't work in my business. I've tried that before and it fails and my team just isn't receptive. And that resistance can also happen typically from existing team members, which means I'm used to doing things a certain way. Why do I need to change? What? Why do I need to document my process? Um, are you looking to replace me? Like, again, there's all of this stuff that's floating around and all of that resistance happens up front. Yet all of the benefit from systemization happens once you get over that hump. If you get over that hump and you get team members on board and you start to recruit new team members and you show them right from day dot, this is how we do things here. There is no resistance. So the first thing to take note is the resistance will only happen from the existing team members. And after that, it ceases to become a problem because every new team member is introduced to this is how we do things here, which really means you just have to address your existing team member. And that has a lot to do with how you introduce it, how they can see the win for them, understanding sometimes there may be some team members that are really, really resistant. Um, 
and there are exceptions to the rule where maybe they're not the right fit for the new culture. Um, and that has to do with sometimes when you recruit up front without systems thinking in mind, which means you might not have recruited the right person from the start. So there's there can be a little extra, bit to navigate through. Yeah, There's an extra couple of interview questions. Yes. Right there. Yep. That could be, um, have you got any, yeah, oh, okay, so how do you recruit for a, how do you recruit to a systems culture? So there's a few ways you can do that. Um, one way, if you want to go completely uh, hog wild with this, would be to make systems thinking uh, one of your company values. And then that way that's displayed front and center. Another way to do it is including links to systems and processes in your job ads, or at least as part of the recruitment um, process. So you can say you will be completing tasks like this. So that way, right up front, you're projecting it. Um, also, you can do little tests along the way, depending on what your recruitment uh, process looks like, but giving them instructions and seeing how they go following instructions. If they can't follow instructions, they're probably not going to be able to follow a system that you clearly outline. And uh, asking system-related questions in the interview process, how do they feel about systems? Have they documented systems? Do they Have they done it in previous work? Yeah. Just to know their level of exposure. And um, so it's just about building three or four checkpoints all the way through at the start, just so you start to repel those that won't be a good fit and you'll attract in those. Because there'll be some people that go, oh, fantastic. I love a business that has things figured out and they can give me some direction on how to successfully complete tasks. And they're the type of team members you want to recruit. Yeah. Last year when we recruited uh, into our system seat, if you like, the person who manages all of our SOPs and system hub and Asana. Um, we asked them in the application process to provide a um, SOP for a peanut butter and jam sandwich. And we we just culled on, on that. And um, the person that we hired gave the most superb procedure for how to do it. And as we got to know this remarkable human, it turns out that um, he's highly allergic to peanuts, has never been near a peanut butter, let alone eaten one. But he said, oh, for goodness sake, you just you just watch other people do things and, you know, um, think it through analytically. So um, that was our little, our little test. I will post a link and you can put it along with the show notes. There is, you may have already seen it, there's a YouTube video. Correct. Uh, Ah, you yeah, know the one yeah, with yeah. the dad who challenges. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. I know, right? I think yeah. the knife just is didn't get much further than standing upright in the jar. Yes, yeah, that's um, yeah, a, a great example of when SOPs don't go well. Yeah, yeah, we will post that. We might put that on some of our other socials as well. It's a great reminder as well. So there's a few myths, and there's a, I think just some mythical thinking that business owners have as well about um, that they're going to need expensive and complicated software. Um, yeah. What I tend to hear on that is, oh, my God, we don't want another platform. Yes. The main thing to think about is um, I always have it stuck in my head that uh, simple scales, complex fails. So the aim of the game is to keep it as simple, out, simple as possible. And if you've got something in place where you're already capturing your SOPs and the team knows where they are and they're easy to access, 
fantastic. If you don't yet have something in place and understanding that it is the most important asset in the business, you want to think about where is this going to live? Who's going to be responsible for it? How is it going to be easy to maintain? Can the rest of the team get on board? And is this something that we can just make part of the way that we do things? And I talk about it in the book, why I like to separate project management versus the SOP management is project management can change. You'll move maybe from a tool to a different tool or as you grow, uh, different departments might use different tools like, you know, in the medical industry, maybe they've got jobs management system where they're booking in clients and they're managing all those things, but then there's another system that they use for all of the back office so there's a lot of those tools. It's good to have just a central location that you're less likely to move because it's a bit like once you start using it, you want to not be chopping and changing with your SOPs. So, I mean, again, that's kind of the birth of System Hub and, and why we created that software. But it's it's really about trying to keep things as simple as possible. Yeah, and I, I think that speaks to the next um, kind of barrier, if you like, oh, but we don't have time for this. You know, it's good enough for now. And I and I think that that is where some businesses just sort of tap out on their growth, that they, they don't have the systems, operational infrastructure to switch up the gears um, in terms of expanding their business. So time is a big piece and we are you know we're totally committed to the time it takes to develop the systems because we know it makes all of our lives easier and it gives us great foundation to scale from in the allied health business world it's harder than you think to stay on top of everything you need to do to run a business whilst being fully present for your team and clients if you struggle with this you're not alone pretty much everybody feels this way Some days you feel like you're crossing a decent task off just to be reminded that you then have three new tasks to take at their place. The to-do list feels like it never ends. It can be overwhelming doing it all on your own and that is why we took it upon ourselves to reach out to help you out. We have created our monthly masterclasses so that you can join and connect with others, learn bite-sized business skills and best of all, walk away from our masterclass with tasks ticked off your list. We can guarantee that each session will provide you with at the very least five gems that you can take and put into action right there and then. And trust us, as soon as you hop off our short and sweet session, you will want to take immediate action because that is the effect that Kathy Love and these masterclasses have. Each masterclass tackles a topic that has been niggling in the back of your mind and has moved further and further down your list. However, the sooner you nip this in the bud, the sooner you will free up your time and see the results in your business. Ready to nip your business woes in the bud and start taking practical action to maximize your results this year? Join one of our monthly masterclasses today. I reckon that right there is one of those key philosophies that you've got to have. You've got to recognize that it's worth the time and the effort to document the process and you get a positive ROI on that. Once you get that insight then it kind of makes it worthwhile that you stick with it and you invest in some time. The truth of the matter is there is no other way to build a business to grow and scale past a certain size, to remove key person dependency, to build the business that the business owner 
wanted from day dot, which is something that gives them freedom that they can step in and out of depending on what's required and really build a business that would be saleable at the other end. There's no other way to do it than systems. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. And I want to get people started on the path and then keep them on the path. Even sometimes you're going to move quicker than others. Like, yes, you're going to get busy in the day-to-day and maybe you slow down and you step back, but you never want to stop making progress towards building out those systems and processes always inch by inch. So that way in one year, three year, five years time, you've built up enough of these systems and processes that you've, you've put yourself in a really great position to remove the risk, to be scalable um, and that's that's my job is to kind of get people on the line and then hopefully keep them on the line. Yeah. A lot of business owners don't see that as key intellectual property that has a commercial value either. Yeah, definitely upon exit. And most business owners don't think about exit either until it's too late. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like um, business insurance. Most people take think about business insurance or insurance in general after the accident has happened. But sadly, once you've had the crash, you can't go to your insurance company and say, oh, I'd like to take insurance out to cover me for that crash that I've already had. Um, Same with systems and processes. You oftentimes don't think about it until that key team member leaves and they walk out. Yeah, with that that IP and some, and then you're like, oh wow, now it's too late. You 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 invest like you do in insurance upfront, um, and there may become a point like I had effectively some business insurance with the digital agency where I'd stepped out, and then my uh, CEO at the time who was running the business, she ended up having to move back to the states, and I had the option at that point in time, and we're going to get step back into. Melbourne SEO services and run it like I'd been out of the game because I'd been focusing on the system hub and systemology or because I had the systems in place, I'd taken out business insurance. I effectively had an option to sell that business now. And the person who bought it said they bought it for two reasons, financial performance and the systems. So you really do need to, there is a commercial value there you might be thinking about selling, and if you are, it'll get you many multiples more yeah. because you de-risk the purchase for the buyer, or you might not even be thinking about exiting, and then something might happen where you have to exit, and you don't yeah. want to be caught at that point when you have to exit, and then you're scrambling to get systems and processes in place because it might be too late at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty high risk when the business owner is the walking encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah. Business owners, I happen to know that they're not the best people to create systems. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Ask nervously, like I know I got them and I know where to find them, but, you know. Yeah. I remember doing some work with Michael Gerber because when I first wrote the yeah. Systemology book, um, I I really made it sound like the business owner could completely handball all the responsibility to the team and there's this fine line where, the business owner needs to be all in and believe in it and champion it for the team that, hey, we've got to do this and systems are important. And But then they need to put key people in to actually do the documentation. So to your point, the business owner is usually the worst person to be doing the documentation. They need to, and Michael said, don't let the business owner off the hook. They need to lead this because that's what business owners do, they they lead it by saying this is important, 
But uh, to your point, they're not usually the one who should be doing the documentation. And we talk about systems champions and you might even have a person who specifically does documentation. Like we've got some clients that we work with that have a systems champion and a documenter, uh, depending on sort of the size of uh, the the business. Um, But definitely getting your highest value team members off doing documentation. It's not even just the business owner, department heads and key team members. It's not, the best use of their time to be doing the documentation. You have to find the workflow and the process to get it out of their head, but then have someone else do the documentation. Yeah, that's about that extract phase, isn't it? Yeah. Extracting. Mm, Okay. So in terms of systemology, it's, you know, you're on an allied health business podcast, but I'm thinking you must be um, providing support to business owners all sorts of organisations right across a million sectors. Like yeah. where is the reach getting to? We haven't spoken for a year, so I'm keen to know. Yeah, look, there are definitely certain industries that resonate with systems more than others, ah. like in uh, engineering and accounting and uh, some industries where they have like medical where they're required to have mm-hmm. certain processes in place, uh, people going for you know, certain accreditation, sometimes they require process. So there are some that are gravitating more than others. The systems message, though, reaches far and wide. And because I used to own an agency and a creative space, we're actually making good reach into creative agencies because I've kind of broken a lot of those misconceptions to say, hang on, systems and processes can really help you here. Um, But we have some obscure niches from doggy daycare centers to preschools to immigration companies to like child care like it's quite far and wide uh it's it's generally about a business owner who's got traction who has a small team around them the business is kind of working but they're just finding that they're tapping out as far as time. And and it's almost like they've reached this glass ceiling and they realize there's a glass ceiling because they, they and their key team members don't have any more capacity. And it's, it feels like everything bottlenecks through them. And that's generally when someone goes, Hey, systemology can help. Yeah. Yeah. Before, uh, Oh, I guess what I, I just want to say to that is the principles of systemology are agnostic. They apply to every business. Some are just going to be a bit more ready sooner rather than later, I guess. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And, and I think that whole idea of you can lead a horse to water and you can't make it drink, like the business owner needs to be ready. We actually find more established business owners tend to resonate with the message more because they have more pain yeah more pain and they've been doing you know the same thing for years like wax on wax off or they're on the treadmill and um they start to reach that point where they go this is not the picture that i had in my head when i started business i thought this business was going to give me freedom and most of them have anything but freedom and that's when they start to really resonate with the systems message because it's really systems is just about uh codifying how things are done 
And so you can do knowledge transfer. It's about knowledge transfer for other team members to ensure that things are done a certain way, which is really what a business owner just wants. They want consistency and things to be done a certain way like they imagined it in their head um, and, and hopefully done by someone other than themselves. The recipe book, the recipe book. Uh, we were talking just before about AI and chat GPT. Yeah. How is that uh, intersecting with systemology and systems? Yeah, we're doing quite a lot of work in that space just because a lot of people, they get wooed by the idea of AI and it's the new shiny object and mm-hmm. look at all of these amazing things that it can do and I can get it to do 10 things that really don't have any particular additional value to the work that I'm already doing and it's just a distraction. And then when I looked at it, I thought, what are we currently doing that we know we should be doing more of? What is a a, a valuable activity that a lot of business owners find it hard to allocate resources to? And systems and processes, obviously I'm a little bit biased, but that comes up because in my head, I'm like, a lot of business owners when you're small and you've got 50 other things grabbing at your attention, systems and processes always important, but not always urgent. So I wondered how can we use AI, things like ChatGPT to speed up the documentation process? And it's amazing what it can do when it's fed the right data. So you can pre-prompt ChatGPT and tell it that it's a documentation writing specialist, and then you can record yourself doing a task, and then you can get that transcribed and feed the transcription into ChatGPT and then ask it to develop a system or process based on the transcript that you give it. And while it's not perfect, it can, you know, it's it will reduce the workload of documentation by potentially 80%. And then you still have your systems champion jump in and clean up afterwards and then send it across to your uh, knowledgeable worker for the final checks and measures. But it, that's just one example of how we're using it. I think a lot of tasks related to writing uh, are perfect for using AI. So start off with what are you currently doing? And documentation is a great first tool to get familiar with it. And then you start to think about as you're documenting your systems and your processes, you start to look for other opportunities and you're like, what parts of this process that I'm documented might be assisted with AI tools? And then you take chunks of those tasks and um, speed up certain tasks because you can go, oh, instead of these five steps, now I can just post that data straight into chat GPT and it'll compress that. And then all it does is it makes your efficient team members even more efficient. Even more efficient. Yeah. And I, I think also it provides a place to start. And yeah. Um I think everyone's learning to prompt better. It's like the hottest skill set on the planet right now, isn't it? Yeah. That we're all kind of amping that up. But for someone who doesn't do particularly well from a blank canvas, you know, it can be great to get some structure there. And I, I think also it's only whatever chat GPT gives you, it's only going to be as good as the human filter that you put over it and the yeah. corrections that you need as well. But it can, gosh, it can get you down the down the runway. Definitely, I think that was a big thing that we first discovered. We thought, oh, we can use ChatGPT and that's going to make our least efficient 
team members more efficient. But then the more that we realized because chat GPT uh, sometimes will guess and fill in the gaps and it doesn't know everything, what ends up happening is if the person using the tool doesn't know what good quality output looks like, they don't know how to question the result and ask the questions to get the right result. So ChatGPT is actually most beneficial for your smartest team members because it helps them move quicker, but it's not always a great tool for the really, really junior team members because then they rely on it too much and then they, they don't know what good output is from bad output. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that all makes a whole lot of whole lot of sense. What else can you tell us about what Systemology is up to? Yeah, we've been doing uh, a lot with our Systemologists at the moment. So we uh, have licensed and trained now uh, business coaches and consultants in Systemology, and they've been working with business owners. So that's been really great to see and helps to spread the message uh, that way. Some of um, our clients have used your systemologists and just loved it. Yeah, it's yeah, really just a great cool. way to accelerate. Like systemologists come in, they install the gold standard and help to train up your systems champion so that the systems champion knows, ah, this is what great looks like. And then they can start to pattern after the systemologists work. So that's a big part of um, what they do there. Um, the other thing, I mean, we've been looking for the opportunities of, you know, we touched on AI um, by re-engineering some of our content uh, processes. We've significantly increased the output onto our YouTube channel and the way that we distribute content across social media. Like that's been a huge win for us, uh, just getting a lot more out there, working with transcripts. I'm, I'm doing a lot of work thinking about how can we feed data into ChatGPT and then ask it questions based on the data that we're feeding in because we obviously, um, you know, we record everything and we document everything. So we've got a lot of rich data that we can feed it. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm working on the next book, which is the Systems Champion book. So the first book, Systemology, was for the business owners and helped to outline the seven stages that we went through. My next book, Systems Champion, is really going to focus on that team member in the organization who's going to really drive it and giving them a more detailed step-by-step instruction on what to do, how to engage the team, how to extract, to what level of detail do you extract, and really just answering a lot of the questions that I've um, had systems champions float up to me. Because I'm finding that is probably one of the biggest leverage points. If you get a great systems champion, if they read systemology and deploy it, if you keep it front and center, if you run with it for 12 months, um, your business will be unrecognizable uh, at that point. Like you, you start to change the culture and then you move three, five years beyond that. And it's almost like you've just dropped a pebble into your business and the ripples can get felt, yep. um, you know, yeah. for years and years after that. Uh, when can we uh, get excited about that second book, that next book? I Look, I'm probably still... A year off. I find writing books 
quite slow and it's a painful oh. process because oh, I want to no. very particular. I want to get it okay. just right. Um, so you got a system for it? yes, I do. I do. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's still slow and painful though. So it's just making the space, doing the research. At the moment, I'm just going through the process of interviewing a bunch of systems champions and really trying to find out the essence of what it is that they're doing to make sure that I've I've captured everything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So a book and AI and chat GPT. Anything else? Any other secrets you can spell? Um I still feel like for a lot of people there's a magical intersection that happens for a lot of small business if you can get great process and you then uh add in virtual assistance and we talk about offshoring and then you add in AI that intersection between great process great virtual assistance and AI right in the middle there if you get all three of those firing and you look at a lot of your um your back end operations you can get some tremendous wins and for a lot of businesses especially if they're based in Australia you know wages uh, are high and um, you you don't have much margin for error. So sometimes moving offshore, not all of your roles, just some of your roles gives you that little bit of extra uh, margin for error and gives you a little bit of extra breathing room, which then helps you to grow even more. So uh, I know we are looking at doing a trip next year because we've kind of really doubled down on a lot of that thinking and we've built out a solid team out in the Philippines and we'll next year, we are looking at doing a trip and inviting some business owners over and we'll go visit some business process outsourcing companies and help to explain a little bit of that world and how it meshes in with the processes. Cause when you get the process right, and then you get those really great team members, it's um, and it's not about getting, the cheapest labor. It's about getting the best team members uh, who do the best job uh, at at the most competitive rate. And and we now live in a you know a flat Earth yeah. where where it's much easier. And COVID just accelerated all of that. Where a lot more people are now comfortable with team members working virtually. Oh, love it! I'm really excited to hear more about all of all of that. Is there anything else you'd like to just leave in the ears of our white health business owners before we sign off? I just hope that we reignited that fire in someone around systems systems and processes and to keep that fire alight. And maybe it was already lit for some of your listeners and we just poured some gasoline on it. Um, It's a good way. Yeah, that's right. Just to to get that fire going even more because it's Systems and processes are the most important asset in the business. Take it to freedom. And and you just need to keep working on it. There is no other way around it. And if if you don't see yourself as a systems person, that's okay. I remember when I worked with Michael Gerber, the author of The E-Myth, getting quite close to him. It was amazing for me. It was that aha moment of realizing, I mean, he's considered by many as the the godfather of small business systems, yet he's not a very systemy person as far as like he's fallen in love with it, but he doesn't do the documentation. He um, has created the team around him that enables him to do his best, most creative work. And you don't need to be the one that documents it to 
own a systems-driven business, uh, and it's very natural for business owners to to not be the systems person driving it, and that's okay. So I'm, I'm hoping we kind of opened that door for some people to realise, yeah, you can do this. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so much, David. And we must make sure we get you back for future updates. And I um I'll wait patiently for the book. Perfect. Thanks for uh thanks for the time, Kathy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.